Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Deplorable Nation. I'm your host, Deplorable Janet, and today I have a new guest to the show, uh, but he has definitely made his way on the podcast circuit. He's very interesting, has a very large, well-versed background in a lot of areas. So I'm excited to talk to him today. Welcome, Mr. Brandon Joe Williams. How are you? Thank you. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Fabulous. Fabulous. So for my guests who do not know you or haven't heard you on a show yet, tell me a little bit about you. Uh, well, I, I studied the law and I dig very deep into it and I find things that are very, very crazy. Uh, it's not really like loopholes. It's more like massive, humongous uh, st very structure-based situations involving the law. And then I basically boil all of it down to sort of like a Beavis and Butthead or a Sesame Street kind of level. And then I make it, I make it very, very, like <laughs> <laughs> and I make it very fun and, and very ridiculous and very wild and lots of jokes and lots of profanity and lots of total craziness. So that's basically, uh, what I do. Essentially, it's 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 law made fun, I guess you could say. Well, I like that idea because anytime somebody thinks about the term of, you know, law per se in the big scope of things, it's very complicated, very stressful. Documents are stressful. You know, <laughs> law seems to be one of those things. that's like a like a taboo thing, but also at the same time, people hate it. And they really tend to not like attorneys too much. <laughs> Just because we were we were watching a show yesterday, it was like, "Well, mommy, you're a liar," and she goes, "No, I'm not. I'm a lawyer." And she goes, "Well, isn't that the same thing?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty bad. Yeah, so I'm trying to add some levity to that and 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 kind of make it more exciting and, and it's funny because because we someone who's been involved in what i'm doing even for like a month or two could run just absolute tasmanian devil circles around lawyers so it's just mm -hmm. hilarious uh we we I, I saw this email actually i think it was like last week or the week before that and and someone had won a um uh an eviction court uh case and the, the the attorney was so flabbergasted that that the that the judge dropped the case and he actually emailed the tenant and said, I have absolutely no idea why the judge dropped this case. Would you mind? <laughs> it was like, would you have any particular like uh, upset regarding reopening this case? <laughs> so the attorney is asking the tenant, can we reopen this case? I was crying and laughing like 25 <laughs> minutes uh yeah so so it's a lot of fun we have a lot of fun and uh so yeah. tell me like <clears throat> i know that before you got into doing law stuff you actually had a different career path so what was that that you were doing and why did you stop doing it um i i built dental offices for a long time like built them up and then run ran them um and then but a lot of it had to do with like marketing and sales i did marketing and sales i had my own company companies that i built i built a few maybe three or four companies um so 
mainly marketing and sales and building companies and uh, systems structure, like structuring all the systems, organizing a, a company and putting systems in place, like systems for the phone, system for training, systems mm -hmm. for uh, marketing, systems for like um, uh, CRM systems, like kind of all that kind of stuff, you know, mm -hmm. marrying so it all together. Made, what made you decide to, to leave that as your profession? Uh, I have a landscaping company and the company was being attacked by a government organization called the Employment Development Department, which is like the payroll Nazis here in California. And um, I have a couple of close friends that are working with me uh, that still are. And I said, you know, I can't let the EDD take this company down. It's too, it's too important right now. So I kind of went on a bit of a, an adventure trying to figure out how am I going to save this company? And that's kind of how all this started. So that's what you got your interest started in the law. Yeah. <clears throat> so I know that you do common law. What is the difference between that and civil? Uh, well, civil, civil has to do with, you know, like between, individuals right mm -hmm. and and then criminal has to do with you know civil has to do with like you you harm me in a way that isn't necessarily a violent crime you know uh whereas criminal is is like violent crime and that kind of thing right mm -hmm. but but the, the the general idea is common law is basically um like don't hurt people and don't steal their property and don't break their stuff and then don't lie in your contracts mm-hmm and be transparent in your contracts. That's basically the, the full amount of common law in a nutshell, right? And then you have statutory law, which right. is basically, uh, you know, you can't be going through stop signs. You can't be going this amount of speed on the freeway. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't carry machine gun. You can't do this. You can't do that. That's, that's statutory law. Statutory law is just w whatever they want to write up. Mm -hmm. It could be, you know, you could even go back to previous uh, cultures where it could be like, or even like Saudi Arabia, you know, women aren't allowed to drive cars or it could be, uh, you're supposed to pray between these hours of every single day, or it could be, you know, if you eat, uh, cows, like for example, I think it's in India, you know, eat cows and that's a, that's a huge no, no, you know, or, uh, kill stray dogs or whatever, you know, it could be anything, you know, um, and that's statutory law and, and the, Basically, the idea of like a human being, essentially, right, is that we're we're ultimately policed by common law, not by statutory law. Statutory mm -hmm. law is a lower body of law, right? And so, statutory law is essentially where everything's at right now, right? But it doesn't doesn't necessarily have to be. You can kind of get out of that, and you can operate in more of a common law uh, basis. And you can do it actually even through the systems that we have in place in America, even through the statutory law system. Common so law is still live. Isn't isn't common law like? Do you have to request a common law court to hear a case? Yeah, it's like a whole different. Yeah, it's like a whole different thing. They don't even really do them. Um, there's actually like private assemblies that are being put together in each of the states that are going to be offering common law courts. It's not even really like a. It's not even doesn't even really exist fully in in the statutory law courts. So how does one go about that? Like if you were to get in trouble for 
whatever and you had to go to court how do you how do you go about using common law well it's it's there's a lot more to it than just that i mean it's it really just comes down to um understanding how the system works and when you understand how the system works you can you can sort of force a statutory court to sort of operate as though it is uh, a common law court under certain conditions because mm-hmm. a lot you know what's what's really crazy when you start to dig down this hole is you realize there's two different countries in america where are you located by the way i'm in tennessee okay so there's actually two different countries here there's there's the united states and then there's America or the United States of America. It's two different. And then, and then each individual state is actually considered a separate country legally. So you have, this, you have this collective, which is 50 individual countries. Then you have all of the 50 individual countries. And then you have this totally separate country called the United States, which is the District of Columbia and its territories. So uh, the territories are like Guam, Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, um, and I think there's like a couple other ones, and, and I can't remember if uh, American Samoa might be one of the one of the territories as well. So, so that whole U.S. plus territories is like an incorporated country that's totally separate from the 50 independent nation states that are all individually countries that also operate as basically a whole country. So it's kind of like a, it's a bit complicated. It it all comes from various definitions and stuff. And I could do like a show and tell on here if you want, which is normally what I do, but um, there's. So so is that why like each state has their own, you know, laws and regulations or whatever, because they are like sole power over their state? Um. Sort of. It, it's a little bit more complicated than that. And the reason why is because it's. Um, sorry, hold on one second here. Mm-hmm. It's. Um, so so what happened was basically. I can I do a show and tell? Can I do a screen share? Would you mind? Mm-hmm. That is fine. Let me do that. That's probably the best way to do it. Entire screen. Here we go. Can you see my screen? Mm-hmm. Perfect. So if you go online, you can type in uh, 28 USC 3002. 20, uh, so, and I'll show you how this works. You can go to like Cornell Law Uni- University. Mm-hmm. The U.S. Code is divided into titles. So you can see here, here's the table of contents of the United States Code. And it goes from Title One all the way down to Title 54, right? Mm-hmm. And these are all the different sections that contain all the laws that, that this country, or, or not this country, actually, it's actually a totally separate country called the United States, operates off of, which I'll show you. So if we go to 28, this is the title, and then this is the body of law, and then this is the subsection or section, right? Mm-hmm. So we're going to go to Title 28, United States Code, Section 3002. Go down to uh, definition number 15, and you're going to see here it says United States means... A federal corporation okay now you ask yourself where is that federal corporation located you're going to go to a different body of law called the uniform commercial code ucc 9-307 and then we're going to go down to subsection h it's going to say location of the united states the united states is located in the district of columbia now that does not mean 
that it's located in the District of Columbia as well as outside the District of Columbia. It means it's located only and exclusively inside the 10-mile square radius of the territorial boundaries of the District of Columbia. Okay. Mm-hmm. So what we're looking at here is that this is a... And then there's another area that's really interesting, 28 U.S.C. 1746. Uh this is actually when you're signing an affidavit you're supposed to sign it in one of two different ways right if you're if you're executing the document outside of the united states you're supposed to declare or certify or verify or state under penalty of perjury under the laws of the united states of america so it's basically that basically what it's saying here is that there's two different countries there's united states which is a federal corporation which is located in the district of columbia and then there's the collective of the 50 independent nation states that are called the United States of America, right? Now, the states are, are more complicated because the way that works is some places in the United States code, you'll see the word state and it'll be capitalized. Like, for example, here on number 14, right? Uh, whenever you see the, the capital S on the states, and this is just because I had to dig forever to figure this out, what they did was they created subcorporations of United States called State of California, State of Tennessee, State of Rhode Island, State of Florida. All of those corporate versions of the states are all located in the District of Columbia as subcorporations of the corporation called United States. So what you have to do is you have to go into Google, type in what was the original name of the state of the state of Tennessee, uh, whatever, when it was added to the union. And let's see here. It could be this here. You ever heard this term before? The Southwest Mm -hmm. Territory? Right. So that is probably the name of the state. Let's see here. Original names of states in America. Original names of states in America. Mm -hmm. Let's try this. There we go. Interesting. Um... So you're going to go back and you're going to figure out what what was the name of your state when it was added to the union because state of Tennessee is a foreign corporation that is located in the district of Columbia whereas the Southwest Territory which I'm assuming that's what it is let's see The territory south of the River Ohio. Interesting. So if you were to name your state in official documents something like this, call it the Southwest Territory or the Territory South of the River Ohio, <laughs> which is really cool. People would be like, what? <laughs> it's an entirely different it's an entirely different location. United States is in the District of Columbia, and State of Tennessee is in the District of Columbia. United States of America is 
outside of the District of Columbia and the Southwest Territory or whatever would be outside of the District of Columbia. You see the difference? So why why do they do that? Is that like a uh, kind of like setting up shell companies, LLCs, or money laundering schemes? Or yeah, they basically named everything all really carefully in an effort to try to get everyone because the Thirteenth and the Fourteenth Amendment um, made involuntary uh, involuntary servitude illegal. Mm-hmm. So they had to figure out uh, how do we get everyone to basically volunteer into a voluntary servitude because involuntary servitude is illegal in America. Mm-hmm. So what they did is they got everyone to basically uh, voluntarily admit that they are in the District of Columbia by basically tricking them into stating that they live in state of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And also tricking them by by having them state that they are a U.S. citizen, right? So if you go to uh, 28 uh, U.S.C. 1906, I think it is. No. Let me see. This is going to be... This one might take me just a minute here. Okay. To find... Definition of U.S. citizen in the U.S.C. Oh, there it is. Okay. Click on that. 42 U.S.C. 9102. All right. So if we go down here, this is going to be 42 U.S. Code 9102, subsection 18. You're going to see here, United States citizen means any individual who is a citizen of the United States by law, birth, or naturalization. Now, keep in mind, United States means uh, a federal corporation that's located in the District of Columbia. So you can actually reword this a little bit, uh, make it simpler. You can say United States citizen means any individual who is a citizen of the District of Columbia by Mm -hmm. law, birth, or naturalization. Okay. Mm -hmm. Law means by contract right? By contractual obligation or connection. Birth means born in the District of Columbia. And then you have this word, naturalization. This is where it gets really fascinating. Uh, 8 U.S.C. 1101 has the definition of the term naturalization. And let's see here. Subsection 23, uh, A23, right? And I'll just go through this pretty rapidly. Normally, I break this down in more detail. But uh, the term naturalization means the conferring of nationality of a state upon a person after birth by any means whatsoever. Well, that's kind of broad. It's extremely <laughs> broad. It's, it's so broad, in fact, that it's actually you can change other people's nationality <laughs> without them even knowing. That's how broad it is. I could actually file documents and change your nationality. Um, 
So, so it's, it's conferring of the nationality of a state upon a person uh, after birth by any means whatsoever, right? So then if you go to, let's say, for example, like um, people are like, oh, well, you live where you live. And it's like, that's not necessarily true because if you go to the United Nations uh, Declaration of Human Rights and you go down to uh, Article 15 of that, and you go to subsection two, you have no one shall be arbitrarily deprived of his nationality nor denied the right to change his nationality. So for anyone to deny your right to file or to say anything on any nationality level is actually totally illegal. It's actually a human rights violation, ironically enough. Um, so what's happening is, is that every single time you do, let's say, for example, every single time you say that you're a U.S. citizen, what's happening is, is you're actually conferring nationality of the District of Columbia upon yourself after birth by any means whatsoever. You're actually naturalizing into the District of Columbia. And you can see that very simply, let's say, for example, through voter registration. So if we do voter registration, California which would be state of California, by the way. Uh, if we go down to uh, register to vote now, you can see here all the choices that you have. And every single choice makes you naturalize into the District of Columbia because it says the word a U.S. citizen, a U.S. Mm -hmm. citizen, a U.S. citizen, a U.S. citizen, right? Mm -hmm. Now, there's another choice that, that not many people know about. And you can actually find that choice on the I-9 form which is the employment eligibility form that you fill out whenever you get a job. The second choice besides U.S. citizen is you, box one, a citizen of the United States. Box two, a non-citizen national of the United States. So a citizen of the United States is somebody who lives in the District of Columbia. A non-citizen national of the United States is somebody who lives in one of the 50 unincorporated nation states. Interesting. So what you do, and you can actually type that into the internet. What is a non-citizen national of the United States? And you'll have it here. Information on FEMA, information on certificates of non-citizen nationality from the Department of State, information from Zhang and Associates, which looks like a lawsuit, uh, a, a legal company that probably specializes in nationality and, and, and citizenship. You have all these different things, right? So, and then, and then your passport obviously can be non-citizen national. Uh, so, so what you're doing is you're basically, uh, another area where we can talk about this too, I think is 8 USC 1406. And 8 USC 1406 basically talks about, uh, Oh, let's see here. Born in the Virgin Islands. No, that's not it. Let's see. Um, USC uh, section talking about how you are a national and citizen when born. There we go. 8 USC 1401, right? The following... Uh, shall be nationals and citizens of the United States at birth. So, so the way it works is you actually have both. And you can actually get rid of your citizenship and retain your nationality. 
And that's why it's called a non-citizen national, because the term has to incorporate both things. Because mm-hmm. you're, you're both. A non-citizen national is somebody who's gotten rid of this half, and they're still retaining this half, right? What that means is you don't live in the District of Columbia. You don't have anything to do with the District of Columbia. You live in one of the original 50 nation states, right? Now, true Americans are people who live in one of the 50 nation states. Non-citizen nationals are true Americans. U.S. citizens are not. U.S. citizens on paper live in a foreign corporate zone called the District of Columbia. They do not live in the 50 nation states of America. And this is why you need a driver's license. This is why you need a concealed carry permit. This is why you need a license to practice law, a license to be a doctor, a license to, and it's just getting worse and worse. Some states, you have to have a license to do sales. You have to have a license to cut hair, mm-hmm. uh, like in California, right? right. So it's, it's getting worse and worse and worse. And the reason why is because U.S. citizens don't have any rights, actually. The, the only right that, that a U.S. citizen actually has, and I have this on my website, is the right to be located in the District of Columbia. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I would pass on that any given day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let me see here. I can find it probably pretty rapidly. These are all quotes um, from various court cases or various things. Uh, like, for example, we have all these different quotes, right? The people, like uh, in the Constitution and stuff like that, does not include U.S. citizens. That comes from uh, Barron versus Mayor and City Council of Baltimore. A citizen of the United States is a civilly dead entity, right? Mm-hmm. Therefore, the United States citizens residing in uh, one of the states of the Union are classified as property and franchises of the federal government as an individual entity. Um, and this is, this is where taxation comes into play. Unless the defendant can prove he is not a citizen of the United States, which that's what we're doing, the IRS has the right to inquire and determine a tax liability. So, so you only have a tax liability if you're living in the District of Columbia or the United States. Okay. So when mm-hmm. you become a non-citizen national, you shed that tax liability, okay? The United States government is a foreign corporation with respect to a state, okay? Um, and the laws of Congress in respect to those matters do not extend into the territorial limits of the states, meaning the non-incorporated nation states but only have force in the District of Columbia, which would include the corporate versions of the state, such as State of California or State of Tennessee, and other places that are within the exclusive jurisdiction of the national government, which would include U.S. territories, such as the Virgin Islands, Guam, Puerto Rico, and I believe American Samoa. American Samoa is the one I'm not totally sure about. Okay. Um. The term resident and citizen of the United States is distinguished from a citizen of one of the several states in that the former is a special class of citizen created by Congress. Okay, so the, 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 the federal U.S. citizen 
moniker was actually designed because at the very end of the Civil War, uh, they were going to release all the slaves and make them have the same rights as the people who were in the States. And the people, you know, there was still a lot of like people who didn't really like that idea. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so what they did is they, they, they created two different, they created a, an entirely new citizenship status, which is essentially the way it works is you become a volunteer employee or officer of the foreign corporation called the United States. And that's actually how the U S citizen uh, specification was actually originally designed. Okay, it was right at the end of the Civil War. And then there was a series of Supreme Court cases called the slaughterhouse cases. And these cases were the cases in 1873 at the Supreme Court that that finally took a lot of time to interpret the difference between what they called at that time a state citizen and a federal citizen. That's what they called it originally, right? Mm-hmm. And then throughout the years, the federal citizen became the U.S. citizen and the state citizen became the national. And that's what those two terms now mean. So a non-citizen national is basically the same as saying state citizen in 1873. Uh, U.S. citizen now is the same as saying federal citizen in 1873. So what happened was is they made all the all the slaves uh, federal citizens, and they th- that made all the people who didn't want them having the full rights of a state citizen happy. So it, it kind of was this sort of like ha- quote happy medium that they created in an effort to try to to eliminate involuntary servitude, but without giving the slaves a whole lot of of rights essentially. So basically, uh, we have been completely and totally brainwashed and snowballed this entire time thinking that we actually have rights and freedoms and no slavery. Yeah. If you have naturalized quote abolished. Yeah. If you've naturalized, Mm -hmm. which is right here again, if you've ever, if you've ever said on any documents or any like even partially official manner, that you are a U.S. citizen, you have officially, uh, uh, essentially what you've done is you've expatriated as a true American. Mm-hmm. And you've said, I'm not an American. I'm actually uh, the same status as the slaves were at the end of the Civil War when they were released from slavery and they were given very little rights, uh, but they were essentially removed from involuntary uh, servitude. Okay. Now, if you look in this same section, uh, US, uh, 8 U.S.C. 1101, uh, and you go up just a couple points to term number 21, the term national means a person owing permanent allegiance to a state. So a state citizen or national, which means the same thing, uh, would be, for example, in, for, in, your, in, your, in your area, it'd be like a Tennessean. Mm-hmm. So under so under citizenship, you would put Tennessean. You wouldn't put U.S. citizen. For me, it's Californian. And when you do that, what you're doing is you're saying, I am a true American. I actually do not live in the District of Columbia at all. I actually am, am here on, on the original non-incorporated Southwest Territory. So this may sound like a really strange question, but this 
just popped into my head. So if if I don't live in D.C., obviously, and if on all of my documents my entire life it's showing that I do, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm also in the in the voting system. Isn't that committing voter fraud? Uh, no, because perjury has to be willful as per the definition. So, so now that you actually understand all this, if you continue to fill out documentation stating that you are a U.S. citizen, then uh, uh, this is actually the penalty that you're going to be experiencing. Uh, whoever falsely and willfully, see, willfully is there. Mm -hmm. So it was never willful, right? Mm-hmm represents himself to be a citizen of the United States shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than three years or both. Interesting. So I cannot represent myself as a citizen of the United States. I could go to prison for up to three years if I did that. Interesting. Not that I'd ever want to, so it works out. So perfectly. how do how do people get out of the United States corporation? In D.C., especially if they're not, like, applying for a job or anything. It's very easy. All you do is like just... me, I'm retired, so uh, there's nothing I fill out, so. It's very easy. You just go You just go back through all your, uh, all your contracts. Like, for example, uh, your driver's license. You can go back onto that one. It'll say, are you a U.S. citizen? You just click no. Uh, this is the DS-11 passport application form. All you're going to do is just get a new passport, and anywhere it says U.S. citizen, you just put no. Right. What you don't realize is when you really take some time and you dig through what this application actually has, there's a bunch of different types of passports. These little boxes on the upper right, D stands for diplomat, O stands for official, S stands for, uh, ooh, I'm not sure on that one, and then NFR stands for uh, no fee regular. I think this comes from 14 CFR 53.2. No, uh, CFR types of passports. Here we go, 22 CFR. So CFR stands for Code of Federal Regulations, which is a different body. Uh, uh, 22 CFR 51.3 types of passports. You can actually look and see the different types of passports you have regular service. So if you go back onto the DS-11 form, S is service on the upper right, okay? NFR means no fee regular. Okay, so you have this. You have the regular passport. You have the service passport. You have the official passport. You have diplomatic passport. You have the passport card. Okay, uh, what you're doing on the upper right is you're choosing which type of passport you want. Most people don't even know what any of this means, and they never check any of these boxes. Okay, the E N D pound sign with the line here that comes from eight fam. 505.2 FAM stands for uh, Foreign Affairs Manual. Uh, this is an unclassified document, as you can see from the top, right? So if you go down to uh, this section here, you have the uh, list of current endorsements, right? And then it has this, this legend, D for diplomat, uh, O for official, uh, N no fee regular, R regular, S service, and then all types. And then these are actually endorsement codes that you can actually write on the DS-11 if you would like to have special endorsements, right? Such as, uh, you know, diplomatic endorsements, specific diplomatic endorsements, specific uh, family endorsements, specific, uh, let's see here, um, 
there's some that that you would have to be authorized by a special area to get, um, but there's others that are not, right? For example, if you're also known by different names, you would use the 08 endorsement, right? Here's, here's a big one. Bearer is a United States national and not a United States citizen. 09, right? So a lot of people in, involved in what I'm doing, they put 09 in there, right? Hmm. So... Um, there's a lot of information on these DS-11 forms that people don't realize, right? Now, you also got to think, too, like uh, your address. When you put your address on here, right, you're, you're putting the address and then you're saying state of Tennessee. So that address is still located in the District of Columbia, right? Right. The way you get out of that is you do RFD. You can see it right here, RFD. It means rule-free delivery. Rule-free delivery means not in the District of Columbia, so you just put rule-free delivery along the, the, the address line, right? I teach you how to do all this in my free contract killer course, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, you're going to fill all this out in a certain way. You're going to sign it in a certain way that's different than anything you've ever seen before. And then here, U.S. citizen. Anywhere it says U.S. citizen, you just click no. It's very simple. No, no. And then here's another one. Uh, I think U.S. citizen right here, no. So anyone, anyone and everyone is no to U.S. citizen. And, and, and anything that infers U.S. citizen is a no. They used to ask you if you were a U.S. citizen on these, but they don't anymore. And the reason why is because uh, one of the definitions of a non-citizen national of the United States, if you go to the instructions of the I-9 form, and you go down to where it talks about a non-citizen national of the United States, it's an individual born American Samoa, certain former citizens of the former trust territory of the Pacific Islands, and certain children of non-citizen nationals born abroad. And that's what, what pretty much almost everyone in America is. Anyone who was born in one of the 50 nation states is a certain children of non-citizen nationals born abroad. They say abroad because it's outside of the country known as the United States, and it's inside the country known as the United States of America. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing is you're, you're, you're basically a child of two people that were not located in the District of Columbia, but they were located in one of the 50 nation states when you were born. So they purposely confuse the language on these forms. Yes. To continually get people to buy into the system. Exactly. Through voluntary servitude. Voluntary servitude was never made illegal. Only involuntary servitude was made illegal. So they had to come up with this gigantic, brilliant plan to trick everyone into voluntarily entering themselves into servitude. And that's how taxation occurs and everything else and the requirement for licenses and the requirement of licenses to fucking sneeze in public at this point almost we're getting mm-hmm. there right uh, that's why it's gotten like this because people have unknowingly volunteered into a voluntary servitude position mm-hmm. they cannot make you involved every single contract that you're involved in in your life whether it's your social security stuff that comes out of your paycheck whether it's the sales tax, whether it's federal income tax, uh, whether it's even policing, tickets, you name it. We live in a country that's so cool because it's a country where 
the involuntary servitude is completely illegal. You cannot be entered into absolutely any contract of which you do not want to be involved in. The problem is, is that people don't understand how to get out of it, and they don't understand the definitions of the words, and they don't understand how to, how to exit these contracts and stuff like that. So I created mm-hmm. what's called the Contract Killer Course, right, which is on my website, which is free. And uh, it's, it's, that's what it is. It's all about how to find and eliminate contracts in your life, right? Whether it be the passport, whether it be the driver's license, whether it be uh, taxation, whether it be whatever, right? So right. that's kind of the whole point. You can get out of all these contracts. You can change all these contracts. You can change your, your passport dramatically. You can do endorsements. You can do different types of passports. Uh, you can fill it out in a completely different way that does not locate you in the United States at all. Uh, you can get a non-citizen national passport. Uh, you know, it all comes down to understanding all these various things and all these various terms, right? And once you get out, you just have to be careful not to ever get in again. For example, voter registration. That's one, right. of, the, that's one of the gnarliest ones. That's how they get you in real good, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, people ask me a lot of time, can you still vote? Of course you can. You get yourself a paper uh, voter registration card and you cross out where it says state of Tennessee and you write in there the Southwest Territory, the unincorporated Southwest Territory. Mm-hmm. And then anywhere it says U.S. citizen, you cross that out and you put non-citizen national of the United States. Now, they don't understand any of this, so they're going to accept that form. When they accept that form, now what you're doing is you're voting for the president of the foreign corporate zone called United States, mm-hmm. but you aren't yourself an employee or officer of the United States any longer. You're basically mm-hmm. hacking the voter registration system. I don't vote because I don't see any point. Um, right. But if you wanted to vote, that's how you would do it. So in regards to like employers, how do they take this when you opt out of the system? I will show you. I'll do another screen share. So uh, everyone is filling out pretty much uh, W-9 forms generally. Like when they go to uh, get a job or whatever, you have the W-9 form, right? Mm -hmm. So... The W-9 form, when you look at it, you scroll down, it says here, uh, uh, under certification, you have point number three, I am a U.S. citizen or other U.S. person. And then it says here, signature of U.S. person, which means the same thing, basically. So now that you actually understand the definitions of the words, uh, if you were to sign a W-9 form, that would actually be a violation of 18 U.S.C. 911, which is the one that we saw earlier where you can go to prison up to three years for mm-hmm. uh, saying that you're a U.S. citizen when you are not, right? Mm-hmm. So the correct form that you would use for an employer would actually be the W-8-B-E-N form, and that means foreign beneficial owner. So this is for somebody who is essentially outside of the United States, who's a foreigner who's making money in the United States, right? And the only reason why you even need to fill this out at all is because the companies that you work for mm-hmm. are all falsely filled out and set up as corporations that are located in the District of Columbia. 
So the way that the IRS looks at it is that a non-citizen national basically, when he's working, he's he's sort of kind of coming into the District of Columbia for a minute, and then he leaves, and then he goes back to America. It's super weird. Uh, <laughs> super, super weird. So the W-8-B-E-N form is basically the form that they would have someone fill out for a situation like that. I mean, the truth is, when you're a non-citizen national, you don't really have to fill out anything because you're, you're really not going into the United States. You're not really involved in the United States at all. Uh, you're not going there in any way, shape, or form. The only part that's confusing is that most employers are set up as though they are operating inside the District of Columbia. So The first line on that form is really funny. Do not use this form if you are not an individual. Yeah, so what's really confusing... If you're multiple people, don't fill this out. <laughs> no, what they're, what they're referring to is actually really kind of the, one of the nastiest parts about all this information. It's the definition of the word person. So most people don't realize in the legal world, the definition of the word person means an individual, a trust, a state, partnership, association, company, or corporation. And that's why in, in, in legal... In, in legal uh, court cases, you'll see things like state of Tennessee versus John Doe. Mm -hmm. State of Tennessee in the legal world is actually a person. So that's why on here they say if you are not an individual, meaning if you are not a, a natural person, if you are another type of person, such as a corporation or a trust. So it's really... It's really nasty, all the terminology and stuff like that, right? Because it sounds like it, all of this was designed to thoroughly and completely confuse people. Yeah, of course. To keep, to keep them in the system, basically. That's exactly right. Yeah, it's the whole design of the entire system is to confuse you so much that you voluntarily comply to enter into servitude. So you... You can't sign this form either if you're a resident alien. That means the same thing as as U.S. citizen, basically. Gotcha. Resident alien. So basically, the the way that they write all of their their code, which is very strange, is there's two different words. Okay, there's the word domicile and there's the word resident. Okay, you've heard those words used, right. like for example, in your lease or in your mortgages, right? Right. So so. The as per the Constitution, the federal government only has jurisdiction over over commercial matters that are happening in between the states, essentially. Right. So the entire federal government has to get you to voluntarily enter into some sort of commercial agreement in order for the federal government to have any jurisdiction over you. That's how it works. Right. Mm -hmm. So the way that they did that is they basically named everything non-resident alien or resident alien, okay? And, and they use the word alien because the way it works is they made it basically impossible to actually domicile in the District of Columbia. You can only be a resident. The definition of resident means somebody who is there temporarily, often for business or commercial-related purposes. Mm -hmm. So the way that the government looks at it is they know that you live in America as a domicile, but they say that you're a resident alien of the District of Columbia, meaning you're you're physically living there now temporarily on a commercial activity. Interesting. 
So they use the word alien for everything. It's like it's like hilarious. There's no term that they'll use to describe somebody who's paying taxes as anything except an alien. And the reason why is because you can't domicile there. It's mm -hmm. it's a physical impossibility according to their codes, right? Mm -hmm. Because domicile would mean non-commercial. So this may sound like a strange question too, but when was all of this bullshit set up? I mean, there was many different <laughs> there was many different main main sections. The Fourteenth Amendment was was a huge huge blow towards this when the when the U.S. citizen designation the the federal citizen designation was created. That was one of the biggest moments when that occurred. And that that's that's where the slaughterhouse cases really came into play. The slaughterhouse cases is what fully determined and fully interpreted the 14th Amendment to mean that there's two entirely different class of citizenship or nationality. Mm -hmm. Right. So, for example, the FBI, the CIA, the ATF. Right. If you look at uh, what is the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment is the right of the people to keep and bear arms. But the ATF is alcohol, tobacco, firearms. Mm -hmm. This is an entirely different word. So right. firearms are held and possessed by federal citizens, U.S. citizens. Arms are held and possessed by non-citizen nationals. Mm-hmm. The Second Amendment has absolutely nothing to do with you if you are filed or naturalized as a U.S. citizen. It has nothing to do with you at all whatsoever. The codes that are written by the ATF is your law, not the Constitution. Interesting. So, so I keep and bear arms. Right. You would keep and bear arms firearms which is a completely different world mm -hmm. which is what they can come and take at any time they can come and take it any time so. you have to register it there right. are certain things you can do and you can't do with it there's all these things and how you have to transport it and all this i could i could walk down the street in the middle of los angeles with a freaking machine gun strapped to my chest i'll probably be shot to death before anyone <laughs> tries to talk to me you know what i mean <laughs> But the thing so, is that legally I could do that. And the reason why is because I, I possess an arm and I'm filed as an American rather right. than a U.S. citizen, federal citizen that would have a firearm. That would be highly illegal for me to do if that was the case. So gun forms, is that another way to rope you into the system when you uh, purchase a firearm? Well, yeah, because you're 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 when you admit that you're purchasing a firearm right there, you're admitting, you know, what I mean, it, it all comes down to the words and, and that sort of thing. And then plus on the um, uh, firearm purchasing. Form. I know they just changed the form recently, too, probably because of what we're doing, uh, to be honest with you. They just they just changed the I-9 form because of what we're doing. So um, mm -hmm. uh, if you go down, they're going to have a section here on non-citizen nationals. I remember seeing it somewhere. Um so here, here we go. So number 16 right here, social security number, uh, optional, but will help prevent misidentification. So, so, so when you were born, 
you, your your certificate of live birth, there's a section on it that says like date received by local health officer, right? And again, like I said, the, the government has to have uh, a commercial element in order to have jurisdiction over you, right? So what they did was mm -hmm. they actually opened up a corporation of your name in all capital letters, right? Mm -hmm. When you were born. Uh, the social security number is the EIN number of that corporation. Mm-hmm. The social security number has absolutely nothing to do with you at all whatsoever. The only thing that the social security number has to do with you is that you're essentially like the, the surety or like the, the value or potential production value behind that public corporation. When you look up a uh, public corporation in Black's Law, you will find, uh, let me find it on my law firm website. Oh, uh, you look up um, public corporation. We're gonna look that up right here. So, if you look in in uh, Black's Law, there's a couple terms that describe this corporation that was opened by the government when you were born. Okay, and public corporation is very very clear. They literally tell you straight up, a public corporation is one created by the state for political purposes and to act as an agency in the administration of civil government. What that means is we can only deal with you if you're involved in a commercial matter. We're going to give you a business from birth. That way we can talk to you at all because we can't have any real communication with you or have anything to do with you unless there's some sort of commercial element to it. Mm -hmm. So in order for you to be able to talk to us, we're going to create this sort of like portal or middle ground or or uh, or relay station and it's just going to be your name in all capital letters okay it's called a public corporation another term for it is called the ens legis a creature of the law an artificial being remember person means corporation <laughs> trust association partnership right so this is a person in law this is an actual person okay uh, uh, an artificial being as contrasted with a natural person applied to corporations considered deriving their existence entirely from the law, you see. Now, I took this whole thing and made a big joke out of it. You go down here to my about section. Here's me. And then I put a whole profile in here from my from my ends legis. <laughs> so my law firm is Williams and Williams. The first the first word is the capital W lowercase. And then the second word is all capital, right? So my mm -hmm. ends legis is a person. There you go. Right? I am the ends legis. I am the public corporation. I am the product of the legal world. I have no gender. And I exist as a person in law who exists only uh, as an agent in the administration of civil government. I operate as a portal into the corporate world. Uh, I am uh, a relay station that is a connecting point between the living world and the corporate world. Uh, you know, I give living humans limited liability in the corporate world in the commercial world i protect brian and joe williams uh from liability and i give him total freedom to operate in the commercial world with total immunity blah blah blah, blah. anyways so so the way this works is <clears throat> um and i lost track of what your question was but i was trying to so 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 the way it works is they they basically trick you into this all caps ends legis public corporation name and and you say that you are that name but you are not that name you're actually two different persons in law you're the you have the ends legis which you can't operate as a business it's your business right 
So, oh, oh, I know what we were doing. We were doing that, 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 that firearms form. So if we go back to number 16, now it starts to make a lot more sense. Social security number. So are you filling this out as the person that is located in the District of Columbia, which is a public corporation? Or are you filling out this form as an individual human being? Because if you're, if you're filling this form out as an individual human being, you wouldn't put the social security number here because the social security number is just the EIN number of that public corporation. Right. If you didn't know all that information, you'll probably put your social security number here. If you put your social security number here, you are, you are now purchasing a firearm, not an arm. There's a place on there now for a U-PIN number. Um, number 17, right next to it. I don't know what that means, U-PIN. Uh, we used U-PIN numbers in uh, the, the medical industry. Doctors had to have U-PIN numbers. <laughs> I was like, what? It probably has something to do with tying you into the District of Columbia. You know what I mean? We're up so, so you would, so like, let's say, for example, number six here, total number of firearms mm -hmm. to be transferred, right? You would cross out the word firearms and you would write the word arms, or you would just, just cross out the word fire and leave the word arms that they have here with a pen. That's what I would do, right? right. And then you would scroll down. You would do uh, a current state of residence and address. Uh, cannot be a post office box. Now, the reason why they say cannot be a post office box is because they want to nail down the fact that you live in the District of Columbia. Right. The way that they do that is through the zip code, right? Mm -hmm. right. So you, what you have to do is you have to put like C slash O, which means care of, and then you would put the address, and then you would put like, you know, no zip or zip exempt. There's a bunch of different ways you can do that. Or you can type in, you know, CO, blah, 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 blah. And then you would put like non-domestic or you would put like, uh, like what we saw in uh, 28 uh, USC 1746 that you could put uh, without the United States. So, you know, uh, purple lane. Can't even put it in there. Uh, that's how you would do it, right? Gotcha. Reside reside in city limits. Mm -hmm. No. You don't reside anywhere. You domicile. You see? Mm -hmm. Every single word is critical. Okay? Right. Now, birthday. If you're filling this out as the public corporation, the person, you would actually fill out... Uh, if you put the social security number here, you would have to put the birthday of the corporation. Mm -hmm. which is actually on your birth certificate. It'll say like date received by local health officer, right? Like for mine, I think it's like 16 days after I was born. So whenever you fill out a form as the public corporation, you would put the birth date of the public corporation. If you're filling out the form as an individual living human being, uh, man or woman, you would put your actual physical birthday of the day that you were born, right? Mm -hmm. And then it says here, uh, country of citizenship, right? Take a look here. Nationals of the United States may check USA. So they have it right here, right? Now, USA is a little bit convoluted. I would probably put this one, and I'd probably put unincorporated territory, uh, uh, Southwest Territory. That's probably how I would do it. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Now, the cool thing about buying guns is 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 gun people love this information, man. They go absolutely fucking ballistic. So they're going to be the easiest people to work with on this stuff, but you may need to explain some things to them, right? Mm-hmm. So, so United States of America, although that is a pretty good way of describing it, 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 it's still, I try to just stay away from it. It's so convoluted and it's so confusing. Right. You're better off just going other and then just typing in something that just nails the thing down so solidly and without question that there's just absolutely no way that they could. I mean, you could go even farther and say without the United States. Now, if you're filling out a form like this as a non-citizen national, and this goes to the federal government for approval. They will approve the form. Really? Yeah, oh God, all the time. We do we do, this is how we fill out everything. Hmm. We never, ever, ever, ever have any issues. Sometimes they have additional questions. We answer the questions, it gets approved. Interesting. Uh, yeah, because I, I wondered like how often like they, some, they, we, we live in a world or whatever. We live in a world where they're trying to trick you all the time to voluntarily enter into servitude, mm-hmm. but they never, ever, ever will will put you into an involuntary servitude position, ever. Gotcha. It, it's completely... If you so much as even bring that up, are you attempting to place me into some sort of involuntary servitude position, they will immediately acquiesce. They will not do it. Smart. So the way the way that the whole system is set up is is they look at it as you you put yourself into all of these conditions. Mm-hmm. They didn't do a, anything. So, are these is this on every form that you fill out, like including rental agreements, yes, and stuff like that. It's absolutely critical that you read these things. Absolutely critical that you fill them out correctly. It's absolutely critical that you use the correct wording or sign things in certain ways. Yes. Gotcha. So how did you realize this? Uh, I mean, I know you said you were trying to protect your business, but like, where did you start with this and how, how did you get going in this? I had a friend of mine who was uh, actually one of my clients, and she was trying to tell me about this information for a while, like two years, and I kept telling her no. I thought she was crazy, and she was going to get raided by the CIA or something. Um, so I, I didn't, I didn't want to have anything to do with it. But then after a couple of years, and and having this really serious EDD issue pop up on my on my on my company, I finally decided to go and give her give her a visit and give her a call, and um, that's kind of how it all started, honestly. And she, she introduced me to just the really basic stuff, just the, the real ground floor, ground floor stuff, like, like not even close to what we've gone over in this show. Just, just, just the, you know, look at your, your, your driver's license. Look at your bills. They're all in the, in the all caps name. And just kind of like, oh, wow, yeah, my name, they always put it in all caps. Why are they putting it in all caps? Like literally just like this, the, the super, the super basic kind of ground floor stuff, right? So mm-hmm. um, it's, uh, but but I, I've been studying nonstop, reading books and, and studying and, and, and trying to understand this stuff since September of 2021. Gotcha. Well, I would say that you're very well versed in this. And I know um, you started the Amnesty Coalition. Can you tell people what that is? 
Yeah, so uh, I'll do another screen share on that one. Uh, the word the word state actually means a lot more than what people think it means. It's actually kind of a fascinating rabbit hole in itself. So if we go to, um, let's see here. <clears throat> if we go to my website and we just go down to the uh, Nation of the Amnesty Coalition, right? Most people think that when they hear the word state, they think that means... Uh, one of the 50 states, right? But it's actually a lot bigger than that. Uh, so, so in order to understand the word state, we have to clear up a few terms, society, body politic, nation, and state, right? A lot of them mean the same. So body politic means state or nation or public association. Society means an association or company of persons generally unincorporated, united together for uh, together by mutual consent in order to deliberate, determine, and act jointly for some common purpose, the community or people in general, and then you have the word state, which does not mean what you think it means. In its largest sense, a state is a body politic or society of men. So you see it's a bit circular, right? So I was like, well, what the hell? It's all circular. What the hell does it mean then? I, you know, it doesn't tell me what it means. So I, I went and found this court case where they were digging into all this in great detail. And I found this quote from this court case where he actually defines nation, which is the same as state or body politic or, or, or society. And this is awesome. This is exactly what the definition is. An independent body politic, a society of men united together for the purpose of promoting their mutual safety and advantage by the joint efforts of their combined strength. But every combination of men who govern themselves independently of all others will not be considered a nation. A body of pirates, for example, who govern themselves are not a nation. To constitute a nation, another ingredient is required. The body thus formed must respect other nations in general and each of their members in particular. Such a society has her affairs and her interests. She deliberates and takes resolutions in common, thus becoming a moral person who possesses an understanding and will peculiar to herself and is susceptible of obligations and rights. So, so, so what a state or a nation or a body politic or a society actually is, is it's a, it's a group of people that operate well internally and they, and they have good, good stuff going on. And then they also operate good externally and they give good stuff externally. So a mm -hmm. body of pirates wouldn't be classified as that because they're going around harming people. Mm -hmm. When you harm people, you lose the right in, in internal relationship, uh, international relationships, diplomatic circles if you're going around hurting people, you lose the right to call yourself an independent nation or society or body politic or state. So it's not just the 50 states of the union that are defined as states. States could be anything. So if you go back to 8 U.S.C. 1101, where we found the definition of the word national, uh, subsection A21, the term national means a person owing permanent allegiance to a state. What you realize is a non-citizen national could be a non-citizen national of any of anything. I mean, you could even say like, let's say you have like a like a like a like a ladies group, and you hang out with your girlfriends every every Friday, and you guys do stuff, and it's kind of like a little party group or whatever. If that group has a name, that's actually technically a state by definition, right? You look up the word permanent. This can throw you off. But what's cool about Cornell is you can click on on it, and it shows you all the special definitions. They have special definitions for everything because they want to make it as confusing as possible. <laughs> 
The term permanent means a relationship of continuing or lasting nature, as distinguished from temporary, but a relationship may be permanent even though it is one that may be dissolved eventually at the in instance of either the United States or the individual in accordance with law. So permanent means nothing. I usually just remove it because it's actually confusing. It's there just as some kind of a weird smokescreen. Right. The term national means a person owing allegiance to a state. And since you're the one who naturalizes, you confer the nationality of that state upon a person, which means technically you can confer nationality of a state on other people, which is actually really wild. Uh, you know, one of the most interesting applications of this that I can think of is you can actually confer nationality of a state upon your children. So let's say you have a bunch of kids. You can change their nationality to whatever you want, and, and you can do it for them. They don't have to do it themselves, right? Hmm. Uh, but technically, I could change other. I could change your nationality. Technically, uh, you know, I don't know how that would work. I would, you know, but you could. I could do it. Technically, as per the law. So the way this works is, um, you can actually you can actually owe allegiance to whatever, whatever group or business or or club or whatever, whatever. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, and you become a non-citizen national of that particular state or nation, right? Now you ask yourself, okay, so you have this nation called the Amnesty Coalition. How is that, how is that legal? How is that, how is that official? And the answer to that comes from the definition of the term foreign government, which is 18 U.S.C. 11. The term foreign government includes any government, faction, or body of insurgents within a country, not, not the country, any country, with which the United States, which is the District of Columbia, is at peace, irrespective of recognition by the United States, which means the District of Columbia. So you do not need to be officially recognized in order to have your own state or nation or country. Hmm. You simply have to be at peace. So you ask yourself, well, what the hell does that mean? Okay, go back over here. <laughs> What's the, what's the legal definition of the term peace? Okay, and I have that right here for you. It's the same as the, the, the one we just saw in Nation. That's kind of why I like that, that quote so much from that court case. Peace. The tranquility enjoyed by a political society internally by the good order which reigns among its members and externally by the good understanding it has with all other nations. Applied to the internal regulations of a nation, peace imports, in a technical sense, not merely a state of repose and security as opposed to one of violence or warfare, but likewise a state of public order and decorum. So what does that mean? That means diplomatic relations. It's literally that simple. Mm -hmm. if, if you have good diplomatic relations internally and you have good diplomatic relations externally, you are officially at peace. You can confer uh, an entirely made-up nation on yourself uh, after birth by any means whatsoever. You become a non-citizen national of that nation. As long as you're at peace, you are legally classified as an entire sovereign state within the territorial boundaries of what's known as the 50 independent nation states. So we have things like Slojamistan. Slojamistan is a micronation just outside of L.A. It's a hilarious joke. The guy dresses up as a sultan, and he has this outfit. <laughs> he calls himself His Excellency. Okay? We have 
I am a I am an ambassador. Okay, you can go go down here and you can find me in a pickle outfit right here. This is me. Okay. Slojamistan is absolutely hilarious. The parliament, it's literally just a small plot of land in the middle of the desert. There is absolutely nothing there. They have placed a desk on a slab of concrete. That's pretty much almost everything there. Okay. We have director of emergency services. We have director of land management. We have a press secretary general. We have special forces, crown prince. And then it starts to get goofier. We have things like the minister of tomfoolery, minister of astronomy, Director of misdirection, <laughs> right? And then my my personal favorite is this one here, uh, Catherine Key. She's the Empress of Catlandia, which is a sub-state <laughs> located within the territorial boundaries of Slajamistan. Okay? <laughs> so you're starting to see these micro-nations popping up, right? We have here Emily Quinn is the princess of Slajamistan. Well, there you go. Brian Reese is the minister of mediocrity. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Now, what this is, is this, this is 18 U.S.C. 11. It's, it's, it's any government, faction, or body of insurgents within a country, any country, with which the United States is at peace, irrespective of recognition by the United States. So if you were to go on the Sojamistan website and you go up to about, there's probably, a, I think there's a question and answer section, and one of them is like, how the hell is this possible, right? Now, he doesn't describe this with all this detail like I do, right? But he does say just, you know, he basically just says, you know, this is, uh, this is real. This is a real country, you know, and it's like, it's actually like legitimate, right? They do offer, they do issue passports. I have a I have a diplomatic passport from the uh, the People's Republic of Sajamistan, and I can actually show it to you right here. Now he says he says on there when you buy it, he says like I wouldn't you know I wouldn't try to use this everywhere, but he 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 uses it. He uses it. He went to Mexico with it, and they stamped it and they let him in. But this is what it looks like. Nice. And when you open it up, it's got my. Uh, it's got my my pickle outfit picture on there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. fantastic. It's a lot of fun, huh? <laughs> so, so it's just uh, you know, it's got all these different pages. It's got the signature page, just like a normal one. This is when I actually went to Slow Jamistan recently. They actually have official passport stamps that they actually stamp your passport when you go to Slow Jamistan, right? No, oh, nice. Yeah. Vamos. <laughs> So it's all it's all fun. Uh, so Jamistan has their own currency. We have the double. That's fabulous. They have their own coins. They have they'll issue license plates. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so this is a whole this is a whole movement. We have a whole movement kind of happening where it's a uh, uh, you know. I found Sojamistan totally randomly. The, the, what I'm doing and, and what he's doing, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with each other. But, but, but what he's doing is all within the confines of what I'm teaching. Mm -hmm. So uh, I really like his example because it's a, it's a real life example and it's a really, really excellent example because they drive around in, in, in cop cars. They, have, they literally have like full-blown cop cars with like cop lights and everything. And it says Republic of Sojamistan. They have a, a fire truck. And it says where to hose at, like, like the hose. 
H O S E, right? So, so Not it's to be it, confused with the other. <laughs> yeah, and they have uh, on the side of this the Slajamistan uh, police car. It says like dial nine one one for tacos, strippers, and something else. It's it's hilarious, right? But it looks just like a cop car, even in the back, like the font of where it says call nine one one two and the different things. It all looks exactly the same as a real cop car, and they drive it around in L A. And they've gotten pulled over and, and that kind of thing, and they just get they get released. Nothing ever happens. Uh, and the reason why is because they're they're operating all this within the confines of the definition of a foreign government, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. So and who, I mean, who knew? And and how it's impressive to think like how people found this within the confines of our, you know, law books and and stuff like that, how people discovered that was an issue in the first place. And then, you know, went from there, because I know that's definitely the movement is growing as far as that goes, because I've heard people talk about it for years, but a lot of people are like, oh, I need to go to the library and I need to study about this for, you know, years or whatever to do. You make it sound very simple. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm like the guy who's trying to make this, like I said, the Beavis and Butthead or Sesame Street version of all this. That's essentially what, that's my whole brand. That's my whole platform. That's why it's called OneStupidFuck.com because. <clears throat> <laughs> For people like me. <laughs> well, that's, that's, the whole, that's the whole thing. The whole thing is, is that it's not, you know. I'm not trying to, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to bring it down to the ground floor or as close as I can, you know, mm-hmm. and um, that's why I show things live and we go through all the words and we go through the definitions and I try to tie it all together and I show mm-hmm. examples and I show you slow jamistan. It's like, oh my God, this is actually real, you know, so, so it's a whole, it's a whole kind of a deal, you know, it's a whole presentation and I've done this presentation so many times. It changes a little bit here and there over the, over the past year and a half, but mm-hmm. Um, it is the coolest thing about all this information is, is that once you understand it, you're not going to get any issues, right? There's no issues applying any of this. And if you get even so much as even the littlest gruff or the littlest blowback, it's real simple. You just say, Hey man, are you attempting to try to put me into an involuntary servitude position? Mm hmm. And for whatever reason, they just absolutely will not do it. They totally freak out and back off. So do you think that a lot of um, like businesses, businesses and agencies are aware of this stuff too? Or do you think no. it's going to like... No, nope. nobody is aware of like- any of this. Nobody, no lawyers, no accountants. Uh, the passport office people who are going to process your passport application, like literally like lawyers... Nobody knows about any of this. Like it's it's all coming from ground grassroots level. Nobody. Well, that's why the I only wonder, people who like, may the people who may know some about this information uh, would be judges or like legal arms of like tribal tribes, like actual Indian tribes that have like legal sections of their Indian tribe. Because the way that Indian tribes are set up, they're all they're all non citizen nationals. And that's right. why they have the casinos. That's why the casinos aren't taxed. That's why the, the, these tribes are considered a totally separate countries legally, mm-hmm. right? Right. So the police can drive right up to the front of the property of that tribe, but then the tribe has internal tribal police. That tribal police is essentially a private police force. Mm-hmm. 
within the territorial boundaries of the tribe, the the police in the local areas have absolutely no jurisdictional anything. They can't right. come in. They can't even drive in there. Right. The tribal police are the only ones who have jurisdiction over that foreign zone. So what's the difference between the police agencies here? Because I know I've heard you talk about that before. Uh, the sheriffs are the original constitutional law enforcement. The sheriffs deal with the the nationals or state citizen side of the equation. They can they can actually operate on both sides of the equation if they want. Uh, the police are only on the commercial side. They're only on the U.S. citizen side of the equation. The police have nothing to do with non-citizen nationals or Americans. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's interesting because the sheriff has a lot more power as far as yes. arresting like members of Congress or whatever, like the sheriff can do that. Whereas the sheriff is the highest power in all of law enforcement on the, on the entire country. That's the only way that the FBI or the CIA or anybody else can get jurisdiction over anything going on, uh, is the sheriff actually has to give them that jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. They have to. Which is not to go to the definitely sheriff. not what they relay in in like TV shows and movies and stuff. Yeah, it's all part of the. If the sheriff says "fuck off" to the FBI, they have to leave. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. Very interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. So, my dear, um, I want to thank you very, very much for joining me today. Yeah, because thank you for having me. This has been like very enlightening because. And I can admit, when I first started hearing about this, not necessarily from you, but in the community, I was like, oh, this is total bullshit. Like, there's, <laughs> no, there's no way that this is yeah, possible. Yeah, that's pretty normal. Yeah. You can't, yeah, this is not a thing or whatever. So having you take the time and explain it and showing me, I completely and understand a lot more than, you know, somebody with just like words it's actually in our law books which is interesting yeah. and and i want to know who in the hell came up with this system it's multiple there's like flags in the ground it's not you know like i said the 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 biggest the biggest huge monster like first initial massive thing that happened that really caused a lot of this was right at the end of the Civil War, 1871, 1873, like that area. Mm-hmm. The, the 14th Amendment, the creation of the federal citizenship status, mm-hmm. and then the freeing of the slaves and then making them that federal citizenship status. And then, and then the, the slaughterhouse cases interpreting the 14th Amendment as there's two different types of citizenship. Mm-hmm. And then from that point forward... They basically, what they did is they very, very slowly over many, many, many years, over 150 years, they've gotten everyone to voluntarily move all of the state citizens into the federal citizenship category. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they basically they're... tricked the whole country over the course of 150 years to voluntarily give away their own americanism do you think that this could have been like um because i know like the rockefellers and the rothschilds and yeah. and 
you know, the, the setup of the banking system and the meeting at Jekyll Island and all of that stuff. Do you think that they could have all been part of the implementation of this? Definitely. Yeah. Because I know they have their hands all over the medical system and the financial system and everything else. That's why I wondered if it wasn't like a group of smart asses like that, that were like, Hey, Let's fuck over everybody that's ever born in the United States. Yeah, I would say that's probably yeah, because you have you have the the birth certificate system, you have the social security system, you have the banking system, you have mm -hmm. the confusion of the nationality versus citizenship. You have all these different things. So you know, and we get into all that in a lot of my material and in in our groups and stuff like that. We're we're digging into all this stuff. I mean, what I've gone over in this show with you is just one element of all the different things and all the different areas that we are digging into and, and, and getting into. Have you guys looked into medical forms yet? Medical consent forms? Well, the thing about the medical field is, is that it, it all medical operates as though it's existing in the District of Columbia. You have to have all medical licenses, all medical this, all, all that stuff all operates as though it's all in the District of Columbia. Well, it's something that you should look at is like when you go to be admitted to like a facility or something and you have to sign like whatever their admission form is now after the COVID stuff, the forms are changed and there's parts in the forms now where you have to consent to allow them to remove specimens tissues, organs, et cetera, et cetera. It's very broad terminology. Anything they want from your body to sell to outside organizations without your consent or knowledge, basically, you're telling them that it's okay and they don't have to ask you. And then they can sell that information or give it to other entities. Outside. Wouldn't surprise me because when you when you when you I say was that flabbergasted. Yeah, when you say that you are the public corporation, basically the, they look at your body as a corporate body. Yes. And the thing is, is that if if you if you identify as the public corporation and your body as a corporate body, that means that the District of Columbia actually owns your body. Mm -hmm. So a well, non-citizen national would have would have autonomy with their body. Mm hmm. Uh, a U.S. citizen would not have autonomy with their body. And actually, that's the way that the, the justice system works. Mm -hmm. So what they do is they, they create a performance bond, and then they hold your, your, your body as surety on the bond in the escrow, which is actually the jail. Mm -hmm. It's very, very hard to put a non-citizen national in jail. Very, 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 very hard. All the politicians running around doing all this crazy illegal stuff, Guarantee you they're all filed as non-citizen nationals. Mm -hmm. Well, and that would make sense when when we're constantly told that, you know, if they're in session or, or whatever, if they're in D.C., basically, they can't ever be re arrested for anything. Yeah, because D.C. is session. a D.C. is a is a totally separate country. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Well, Mr. Brandon. It was a pleasure speaking with you. I learned so much today. I feel <laughs> like I just went to school. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's great. <laughs> that was only the tip of the iceberg. So I'm excited to know more about that. So, 
Yeah, I have well, my free contract killer course, and then I also have my uh, my. I'll do one more screen share real quick. I also have mm -hmm. my um, uh, my state national theory page is like a book version. So on my website, you can go to all these different links, but you have the contract killer course. This is one video per day for a series of like 39 days. So you should sign up right away so you can start getting the videos because mm -hmm. it's a drip campaign. Okay. It's free. And then I have the state national theory page, which has a link to download all the different uh, Black's Law dictionaries that you may want. Uh, very, very helpful. Uh, actually required, uh, not helpful. Uh, without them, you will never survive. So, uh, and then this is actually a full book length text form version breakdown of a whole bunch of all the different things that I talk about and all the different things. And uh, I edit this a lot. I update this with information or court cases or whatever I can get my hands on to try to make it more filled out, more clarified. Mm -hmm. This is all free, obviously, as well. This is like a living book. I can't publish this book because I, I edit it too often. Right. So... You have to say your website name. Yeah, it's one stupid fuck.com. <laughs> I just wanted to hear you say it. Yeah, it's the best, right? That made me laugh so much. I absolutely love that. I got to chuckle out of that. Thank you. But thank you so much again for being with me today. I sincerely appreciate it. And um, I hope you have a fantastic day. And thank you for, for schooling me. You too. Thank you very much. <laughs> Have a good day, guys, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.